3: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number four twenty-three of Lockdown Raptors once again for Saturday, November twenty-fourth. Our second episode today. I am your host Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On Fantasy Football, two shows, by the way, for Locked On Fantasy Football. We've got Locked On NBA, Locked On NFL, daily shows both there with national guests, including on the NBA side, Ben Goliver and Sam Amick. And you can find all of those shows together on the Locked On NBA or Locked On NFL iTunes channels. And if you find a show on the network that you like and want to support, please go to it and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Podmaster, Podfella. I don't know what the hell other platforms there are, but if you find one on one of those platforms that you like, please do all those things. It makes uh, us feel very good. It helps with rankings and visibility and accruing new listeners and all that good stuff. So thank you very much in advance for taking the small amount of time it requires to leave a rating or a review. And if you haven't done it yet and plan to do so, I will be forever indebted to you. Uh, all right, on today's show, I'm going solo just to kind of recap the game against the Wizards last night. Uh, we'll talk about the sort of swoons and effort from the Raptors that have kind of become a bit of a trend here. Nick Nurse talked about it. I'm gonna play Nick Nurse's post game actually. Thought there was some good stuff in there. I might actually play a little bit of Kawhi Leonard too. He had a couple quotes in there that I think are telling for what's to come for the team and kind of maybe explain or will help to expl- help to I guess iron out some of the issues the Raptors have had of late. And like, look, man. They've had some issues. Sure, they lost three games last week, but they've won four in a row now. They're probably going to win five in a row because the Miami Heat come to town on Sunday and are banged up, missing Goran Dragic, Tyler Johnson, and Dion Waiters. It's probably going to be another win. They're going to be 17-4 and four most likely. And they start this stretch where they play every other day for the next 10 games or so. And Kawhi Leonard touched on that and just sort of how he thinks that's going to help both him and the team kind of come together. And get into a rhythm and all that fun stuff that we love to talk about. And uh, stuff that probably means more than we think from the outside. Uh, so we'll play Kawhi and Nick Nurse probably in the second segment of the show. Um, first though, I guess biggest takeaway from last night's game. The Wizards are miserable just an utterly miserable basketball team and they like I knew they were a bummer I knew they were like pathetic and embarrassing but to see them in real life I mean they're just like a work of art when it comes to just being a disaster like I'm so just like bummed out watching them play basketball John Wall man John Wall, let's let's talk about John Wall Eric Kareen wrote a great piece about John Wall versus Kyle Lowry for The Athletic today if you want to check that out and it's pretty much just like a, a rundown of all the reasons Kyle Lowry is better than John Wall against all the odds because John Wall physically should be much better than Kyle Lowry, Wall last night was 5 of 13 from the field, 11 points, 11 assists, uh, 1 of 7 from 3 and was kind of a mess the entire night and did not do anything to help turn the Wizards fortunes around um I've kind of been poisoned looking at John Wall's stat lines after reading Jacob Mack of Raptors HQ wrote a great piece last year about Kyle Lowry versus John Wall. Sort of a similar vein, but went a little bit more deeper on sort of the reasons why Kyle is better than John Wall, particularly when it comes to passing. And John Wall is just like the most selfish passer in the world. And those 11 assists assists do not feel like they add any value to the Raptors. Whereas when you look at Kyle Lowry's passing and his assists and the way that his playmaking comes about, it always seems to be in the interest of helping out his teammates and making Making the just just getting the best shots available for the Raptors. Whereas John Wall, it doesn't really seem like he's looking for the best shots as much as he's just looking to get the ball out of his hands. There was one sequence last night that was, I think, super telling of just like the low IQ John Wall seems to play with and just maybe his like lack of giving a shit. I don't know what it is exactly, but there was a sequence, I think either late third, early fourth, something like that. The Raptors were up pretty big at this point. This was after they'd made their run. After the Wizards uh, ended up taking the lead, actually, for a brief moment, 71-70. The Raptors kind of went on a little run, and then John Wall comes down the court. I think in the third quarter, and he has this sequence. Sorry, this was in the fourth. My my, my mistake. Uh, he comes down the court. He the Raptors switch on the play. They run a pick and roll with I think Wall and Thomas Bryant or someone like that. Uh, someone who is who the Wizards hate less than Dwight Howard, I'm sure. Uh, and John Wall gets Serge Ibaka switched on him and the way the court was kind of set up geometry-wise, there was nothing in terms of help defense behind Serge Ibaka. Pretty much all the action was going on in the left corner, and there was, I think, maybe one wizard in the right corner. It might have been none at all, just the way the floor, the floor was balanced. It was super strange how it worked out, but... There was like a wide open opportunity there for John Wall to do what he does best, be fast and blow by Serge Ibaka, who as good as Serge Ibaka has been, there's no reason that John Wall shouldn't be able to blow by him when he has him on a switch with room to work with behind him and no help defense waiting at the rim. And instead of doing that, he like dribbled around for a sec, faked like he was sizing up Ibaka and then chucked a pass to the corner for Jeff Green, who fired up a contested three. It came way short and the Raptors went the other way. Just a an example of something that Kyle Lowry would never ever do. Kyle Lowry is always searching for a better shot, whether he has it himself on a pull up around the screen or or whatever it is, whether he's you know getting to the rim with his own with his own sort of looking for his own looks or whatever. It, it's he always is in the search of the best available shot. John Wall just seems to be in search of the most you know easily readily available assist attempt. And man, I, it just was a bummer to watch him last night. And he's a disaster right now. He's like. He can can talk about Otto Porter and sort of deflect to everybody all he wants. He's the biggest problem with this Wizards team right now. I'm pretty confident in it. Maybe it's Scott Brooks. Maybe Brooks just doesn't have him ready to be a leader for the team or whatever. He's like checked out because he hates Scott Brooks. I don't know. But John Wall from my perspective, is the biggest problem with the Wizards right now. And and it's a bummer for them because have fun trading him, dude. Uh, He's going to be the worst contract in the league, I think, in a couple years. And that is saying a lot for a guy who has owned the Raptors quite a bit up until this season or even in the last year's playoffs. He had a couple nice moments here and there, but also some bad ones. And last night was maybe the worst I've seen him play against the Raptors. 11 and 11, but those 11 assists just feel so, so empty. It's like eating... Like a bunch of McDonald's and saying I'm full now. Like, come on, dude, you're not full. You're just sad, and your stomach is like eating itself because you put garbage in it. Um, I'm saying this as a person who loves to eat McDonald's, so um, I'm, not, I'm not throwing stones. Um, otherwise, for the Wizards, Kelly Oubre was really bad. He was four of five of fourteen from the field, oh six from deep, and this was kind of a, a symptom of the entire Wizards team uh, on on Friday night. They were nine of forty six from three. Under 20% from deep, they uh, set a franchise record for threes attempted in a game and only hit nine of them. It's pretty funny actually that it happened that way, but like it's not also that surprising. Like Jeff Green was 0 for five. He's a bad three point shooter. It's not shocking. The Raptors I think were pretty okay with that. The Raptors were also leaving Markeef Morris open to shoot threes. He hit one, uh, where the Raptors just like refused to guard him. He was coming up, I think it's the trailer, and Valanchunas stuck back right around the free th- the free throw line. It was just like, all right, Markeith, throw it up. He was two of six. Um, You had John Wall was one of seven He's a bad three point shooter He should not be taking that many threes um, and then you had Otto Porter, who is generally a very good three-point shooter, who is like maybe the one guy outside of him and Bradley Beal that you really want taking them all the time. He was one of six as well, so just a gross, gross performance from him. And then Kelly Oubre, it's not surprising that he went one of, uh, sorry, over 6 from deep last night because he's a bad three-point shooter. He's shooting 27% on the year, yet they still seem to be feeding him looks. Maybe they're waiting for a regression, but he's never been like an incredible three-point shooter. He's a career 32% three-point shooter. So I don't know what they're really doing with him, This just a team that's constructed terribly. Thomas Bryant took four threes. Like, what is Thomas... Thomas Bryant actually might be the most encouraging part of this team right now. Um, Bradley Beal had a rough game, but I guess he's, like, the the, the piece. If you're going to move forward, that's the guy you build with. But Thomas Bryant, at least, like... Tries and it looks like he like gives a shit and that was refreshing to see actually. So sort of the way he kind of gave trouble to especially Jonas Valanciunas who started against him in the starting five. Uh, I thought Thomas Bryant was like the one bright spot for the for the very very sad and pathetic and embarrassing Wizards. That's all I got on the Wizards really. I just wanted to start off the top by saying how gross they are and how uh, not surprising their six and twelve record is. They're an embarrassment and I. uh they're just not even fun to make fun of anymore. It, it, it's almost like I've lost a will to make fun of them. I, I was on the the HQ account last night, and I was going away and making all of the Wizards jokes, but by the end, it's just like, this is mean. It's just like making fun of someone who can't defend themselves. That, that, that seems really rude and mean and awful, but hey, like the, they have it coming, man. They are a, an absolute disgraceful team to watch right now. Uh, I'm gonna continue on talking about the actual Raptor stuff in a second, but first I want to tell you about the Locked On NBA and Locked On NFL Net Twitter and Instagram feeds. Uh, these are really great. If you want to follow all of the hosts on the Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA networks, you can just follow this account. You don't have to go around follow every single host. You can just follow this one. And you're gonna get all of their basketball or NFL related tweets put into one feed and retweeted throughout the day. Um, you know, fresh podcasts during breaking news events or during games. It's really great as well because you get a lot of stuff you know retweeted right in there. So, uh, locked on NBA net and locked on NFL net on Twitter. And then on Instagram, same handles. There we're posting little snippets of each podcast with a little video and stuff like that if you want to go there. And then you can go and click on the link and listen to the full podcast as well. So, pretty nice little resource there on Instagram too to kind of laven up your feed. So, locked on NBA net and locked on NFL net on
2: Twitter and Instagram. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
3: All right, let's get into the Raptors side of things. They're less embarrassing. They won this game, of course, 125-107. I don't know if I mentioned the score at all because it was like it was secondary to the Wizards being sad. Um, this was just a nice game from the Raptors all around. I think aside from a couple swoons, the second quarter was a little bit iffy, but even then they only lost it by four. The start of the third quarter was like the real trouble spot. And I I guess There were a couple concerns, I suppose. The first concern is that their defensive intensity just kind of waned a little bit in those moments, you know, the second and start of the third quarter. They just were not really, you know, paying attention. They were, you know, letting guys kind of walk to the rim willy-nilly. They were not really getting out um, and challenging threes. I mean, a lot of the threes that the Wizards put up last night were wide open, and they could have had a much better night from three, if not for all of their very bad shooters. But um, just the rotations weren't super crisp, I don't think. And I don't think Nick Nurse was super happy with the way they defended. But ultimately, they did the thing where they, you know, start carrying for a little bit and then they have nice defensive quarters and after the start of the third quarter where it was a 9-0 run for Washington the Raptors went on their own run to get the lead back and I think it was like a 10-2 run and they never trailed again and they won the quarter by 6 despite starting it down 9-0 because Wizards baby Um, so The other, I guess, issue in addition to just like the the defense not really holding up over the course of 48 minutes, which again is kind of understandable and human for a team that's this good, they don't need to try all that much. And honestly, in game 20, I'm okay with them not trying all that much if they don't have to. Maybe it becomes a concern by game 80 and you're worried about that morphing into just their habits where they only can really ratchet it up for small parts of the game. But we're still just a quarter of the way through the season, I think we'll probably see them kind of... Amp up the number of minutes per game At which they are at peak defensive levels And uh, we'll get to Nick Nurse in a second Where we talked about that But uh, the other thing too I think was just the, The offense got a little sticky in the second quarter the, the, the bench was pretty good actually the, you know, the bench came in, Fred Van Vliet had his maybe best game of the season, he looked really good in 23 minutes, he had like 9 points in the first 3 minutes that he had on the court, uh, hit three threes his first 3 attempts, he had 7 assists 4 boards as well, I thought he was fantastic he looked sort of like what he did in the early part of the year where he was really crisp and quick and blowing by guys and not holding the ball too long when he got into sort of deep into the pick and roll he was trying to find guys or get his own shots up and I thought he looked really great Um, And the bench, by and large, was okay. C.J. Miles had the thing where he struggles really badly again. He played 18 minutes in his first game back from injury and had 9 points. 1 of 7 from deep, though, 3 of 10 from the field. Not his best performance by any means. And then O.G. Ananobi coming off the bench was also really good. He had uh, 15 points on 6 of 11. He was 3 of 5 from deep. And that, him and Fred Van Vliet and I guess some of the Raptors just kind of getting back on track really helped to prop up the three-point shooting that has been an issue for the Raptors for the last couple of weeks. Coming into the game, the Raptors were 27th in three-point percentage in the month of November, uh, right alongside teams like Utah and Atlanta and Chicago, you know, very good offensive teams, you know, like those teams. Um, and the Raptors obviously have still kept their offense going just fine without being able to hit their threes. Their process is still there, and I think Nick Nurse touched on that before the game. He's like, yeah, you know, that uh, the Orlando game, for example, he was talking about how during the game it felt a lot uglier than maybe it was, and he went and watched the tape and was like, oh, we started the third quarter with five straight wide-open threes that just didn't go down. Maybe the offense isn't that bad, and this will kind of correct itself. And it very much corrected itself against the Wizards. The Raptors were 17 of 39 from deep, and they were creating a lot of really nice looks, and I think Danny Green, he was 3 of 7. So many of his looks that missed were like super-duper wide-open threes. One was like a, a like an untouched three in the corner in the third quarter, I believe, at the start, just at that beginning of that run for the Wizards, and then in the first quarter, he had one wide open three, he missed that, he got the offensive rebound right to him, He right into his shooting pocket, essentially, and he missed that one again, so the, the looks they were creating were really good, and the process, I think, has kind of been there the entire time, but adding the extra shooting of Ananobi and Van VanVleet was really nice, and then DeLon Wright hit two threes, one of them was... Maybe the dagger three of the game, it put the Raptors up by like 13 uh, midway through the fourth quarter, and then Miles followed up with his only three of the night right afterwards the next possession, but DeLon with a pull-up three and then another three as well later in the game, I thought he looked pretty good. He looked a little bit more uh, spunky on the drive. He had one nice little scooping finish as well, so really good to see. As it turns out, when the bench plays really well, the Raptors are going to be pretty tough to beat because they can throw two really good units at you and you know play 10 or 11 deep on their best nights when everyone's available. Even when Miles isn't playing well, everyone else was pretty good. Serge Ibaka had a nice game, you know, 5-9, at pretty tidy. 12 points, 9 boards, 2 assists, 1 steal, 4 blocks. Like, it just that's just kind of the production they're getting from everybody right now. Um, and, yeah, so the, the issue, I think, in the second and third quarters when it was kind of hairy there and they lost the lead for a brief second was that the offense was getting a bit sticky. And you could maybe look at Kawhi Leonard and say that's the reason. He kind of started to take over a little bit. There was a lot of ISO for him, a lot of posting up, and... Honestly, you can't really blame them because the Raptors, or sorry, the Wizards were throwing like Kelly Oubre or John Wall on Kawhi a lot, and why wouldn't you post those guys up? Like, that's an advantage you can press. I think the problem with Kawhi maybe a little bit so far this year is that he's gotten a little bit tunnel vision-y in those situations and is just kind of looking for his own shot, and honestly... If you're trying to have him shake off the rust, I don't mind him being a little bit selfish in those situations. Like, eventually, I think he will feel more acclimated within the offense, and maybe things will move a little bit more smoothly. And the first quarter of this game, the Raptors' offense was humming, like, beautifully. They had one possession where they threw, like, maybe six or seven passes off of drives and kicks and ended up with a wide-open three for Kawhi from the wing. He ended up airballing it, but Kyle... Had this beautiful hustle play where he dove at the baseline, got it back in. Another four or five passes on a couple drives, and a three goes to Ibaka, and he knocks it down. That's the kind of offense that this team is capable of, and you know, with the way that Nick Nurse has talked about the Raptors being this free-flowing team that's gonna sort of just kind of freestyle on the fly and play playground basketball. That was the kind of possession that you want to see from them. And the first quarter was full of that. They had seven threes in the first quarter on 13 attempts. They were up 38-26 at the end of the first. And it was looking like they were going to cruise. And then the second quarter came around. And again, it got a little bit sticky. Kawhi, still though, despite it being a little bit... Uh, stagnant for little parts of the game there. He was still 12 of 22, had 27 points, 10 boards, two assists, two steals. I think his passing will come. He still looks a little bit sort of like he's trying to figure out where guys are typically going to be. And, you know, that, that makes sense. He hasn't played a ton of games so far. He's missed a lot of time. Uh, He's missed six games of their of their 20s, so you know he he's had games. He's not really kind of gotten into a rhythm where he can be part of the flow of the offense the way Kyle has been so far. Where where he's played every game and it doesn't seem to matter. Whenever Kyle has the ball in his hands, the offense seems to be under control and just sort of executing the way that you want it to. And I think that's kind of what changed in the middle of the third quarter after the the run at the start of the third. Kyle kind of took back over and was like, "All right, I'm gonna figure this out." And then I think there was a nice little handoff sequence with him and Valanciunas where. Uh, Kyle got a three out of it, and then there was another play where Kawhi and Siakam had a little nice dribble handoff sequence, and then Kawhi kind of drove into the free throw lane, didn't really get anything, he kicked it to to Kyle, Kyle could have put it up easily, but he threw a little nice little bounce pass to Danny Green in the corner, and Danny Green knocked down the three, that's the kind of stuff that you'll see, and that's the kind of stuff that whenever Kyle touches the ball, you're going to see that sort of extra zing on it, and that extra sort of um, movement that gets, you know, good shots turned into great shots, and that's kind of what Kyle's done all season so far, so again, I'm okay with Kawhi taking the possessions for himself. I think Jacob Back made a pretty good point of this um, on Twitter a couple days ago in that the Raptors' offense has kind of functioned in a bit of a tunnel, and it's been a lot of Kyle with Siakam, or sorry, Kyle with whatever big is on the court, whether it's Jonas or Serge, and then Danny Green kind of working as a three-man combo where you know they'll run a pick-and-roll, and then Danny Green's there to catch the, the kickout if that's what's to come. And then there's been Siakam who's kind of freestyling on his own, taking advantage of mismatches, and then there's Kawhi who's kind of on his own too, and whenever an iso comes to him, the offense kind of goes on hold for a second and they kind of get away from what makes them best. And you can get upset with that if you want. You know, it's not the free-flowing style of offense most people want to see, but... As I said all season, like, this is the kind of trade-off you accept when you have a Kawhi Leonard on your team, man. Like, he's really freaking good, and I think it behooves the Raptors to give him the touches now to see if he can kind of get into a rhythm and get his rust completely shaken off. And, you know, I, I do think as that happens, he'll become more of a part of the, a working part of the offense. It's not as if he can't play in an offense that, you know, is predicated on ball movement and sharing the ball. He was on the goddamn 2014 Spurs. Like, he, he's- he can do this. We know he can. And I just think this is maybe still a little bit of rust working off for him. And, you know, if if a rusty Kawhi is still putting up 27 on 10 or on 12 of 22, I mean, that's pretty damn good. So this is Jake from
0: Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time
3: Um, Actually, let's just get to Nick Nurse now. Nick Nurse talked about this uh, and sort of Kawhi working off the rust still and some big nights kind of being in his future. And I'll get to Kawhi as well afterwards where he's talking about uh, the just the the rhythm that might start to come as the team's schedule kind of gets a little bit more friendly in terms of allowing them to be a more cohesive team.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think when guys are hitting them, Doug, I think it, it does spread, and I think the, the same applies. You know, you miss a bunch in a row, and the next one the guys are maybe pressing a little bit, so it was good to see it going uh, that way, and that was maybe our start back to things evening out a little bit. You
1: didn't let them back in again. You had a big lead, let them get back. Pulled away, let them get back. There's a sameness to that. Is it
2: frustrating to watch all the time? Um, it's a little frustrating, Doug. You know, I think uh, we played some really dominant basketball for stretches. Um, and and again it's it's uh it's streaky a bit, right? And we we wanna try to again extend our consistent play and 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 like extend that out longer, but the play the times where we're not playing that well that can't be so Underneath average, you know what I mean. So the times we're not playing that well, we've got to stay as close to average as well, because you're not going to play, you know, great and and uh, 48 minutes, even though we're trying to stretch it out to that. But uh, yeah, we got to we got to uh, yeah, we got to stop playing less streaky. And I think a lot of it has to do with the three ball and and just um, getting a little bit more vertical at the rim. There was a, you know there was a stretch there when we we uh, first half especially we sent them to the free throw line and then we just didn't didn't come out. And, Play to start the second half a little
3: bit. So that was Nick Nurse talking about the lack of consistency across the game, and I thought he made a good point in that you know, they're never going to play those stretches of minutes where they're completely smothering an opposing team and, and absolutely destroying them for five or six minutes and not allowing anything and turning that defense into offense. But the, the parts of the game where they're playing terribly, like they have to stop playing so terribly and it has to kind of become a bit more of a baseline of sort of good at least where you can kind of get by in those minutes. Um, and here's Kawhi talking about sort of the, what the upcoming schedule might mean for kind of getting that consistency kind of locked down.
4: It helps a lot. Um, you now guys get subbed out and don't take on those common minutes every night. And um, you know, we kinda get a flow with our uh, kinda of the chemistry with our second unit. Well,
1: was just saying, you still missing a bunch of you got
4: a big one Uh I'm just going with the season, but uh mm-hmm. But these next few weeks, we are gonna find a good rhythm um, yeah. by you know having a day off game, day off game, and uh, I mean we'll see what happens. Before
1: we get stuck, what's the same? thing i think I'm very impressed with you and your ability to defend the best player in the other team but still score and never get too up or down. You get scored on or scored. You've had a consistent level of effort. Is
0: hard to maintain the
2: 40 minutes of play?
4: Um, no. I um, mean, you know, I started off uh, guarding the best player when I was a rookie. And um, to, to last, and you, you got to be even-keeled um, throughout the whole game, never too down, never too high, and um, just take it one possession at a time. Just come with experience just, you can just know it well, I've been playing basketball like this since my whole life. Um, always wanted to be like the best player and, uh, you know, make an effort on the offensive end as well. So um, it's kind of just, you know, second nature, just going out there, and it's just in my brain already to just go play this way. Uh, how do you feel now? Do you feel hundred percent? Close to hundred percent? I'm healthy and I'm happy that I'm playing and we're playing well. Um, that's all I'm you know, going out there doing is just having fun and then just trying to play hard and you know, um, we've been very successful so far.
3: You guys have a really tough stretch of the schedule coming up. Is that something that you look ahead to and that you
1: sort of embrace the challenge of facing some tough
4: Just as far as just playing games? Uh, like I said, I feel like it's going to be good for us uh, to, to just so we could get a rhythm. We're playing uh, every other day, and I think uh, this is a time we could gel as a team. quarter of the way through yeah, the now. What kind of read do you have on this team? How would you describe this club? We're uh, playing well. I uh, still think we could get better. Um, like he was saying, our whole lineup hasn't been here. The guys been out. Um, so once we just get everybody here, and. You know, you know, playing, um, like I said, this upcoming schedule is going to be good. Just all of us playing and getting that rhythm of playing one day off and in the game, and then it's, it's going to be good.
3: So that's Kawhi Leonard talking about the upcoming schedule and how it's going to help him kind of get into a rhythm here. And I have kind of talked about this this week, and I, I'm glad that they seem to agree with it. That seems like a thing if you're a professional player where having a set routine and schedule and knowing that you're going to play every other day is probably pretty useful, um, and you're not having any back-to-back. So Ka- Kawhi's going to get to play all those games. Hopefully the injury problems are, aside for, are kind of outside of norm, I guess. So hopefully those things are put to the side for now. OG's back. CJ Miles is back. Hopefully they can kind of get some rhythm here. And also big shouts to Kawhi for always flexing on how good a basketball he is. Uh, when Doug Smith was there asking him about, you know, Scott Brooks saying before the game how great it is that Kawhi can both play offense and defense at the same time and guard the best player while also being great at offense. I mean, first of all, the shouts to Scott Brooks for longing to have someone like that on his team, but also Kawhi being like, yeah, it's second nature. I've been doing this my whole life. Always a good flex from Kawhi. They're very understated flexes, but goddammit, I, I would do it too if I was that good. Um, I think that's probably it for today's podcast, really. I mean, the Raptors are really good. I know people are going to be concerned about those little swoons where their offense kind of has struggles and, and they kind of lose their identity for a little bit in their defense. You know, that's been a problem kind of on and off all season where they just have these stretches where they just give up all the shots in the world. But at the same time, they're still the 7th best defense in the league. They're the 4th best offense in the league. So these little spoons aren't stopping them and turning them into you know a team that's going to lose these games. They're still able to recover. And it's a nice flex by the Raptors to be able to try for 12 minutes in a game and get these wins. Um, obviously, you'd like to see, as Nick Nurse said, try to get those up a little bit more and have longer stretches where you can be dominant and then hopefully if you're the raptors you can ha- kind of have what they ha- what happened last year where you become dominant for the first 3 quarters and then you're up by so much you can kind of rest guys and you know have fourth quarters be for garbage time and that was a, a i think a recipe that worked a lot for the raptors last year where you know Kyle Lowry got a lot of rest DeMar DeRozan got a lot of rest everyone kind of got to chill and those fourth quarters while it's useful as as i talked about as well It's useful to have games where it's close and you have to worry about late-game situations and execution and drawing up plays. It's also nice, you know, in the middle of the season, as the season draws out... It's nice to have those little moments where you don't have to, you know, worry too much about a fourth quarter. You don't have to always be on edge as, oh, okay, am I going to have to come back into this game after exiting out at the start of the fourth? Am I going to have to come in with four minutes left to help maintain a lead? You know, I think that's probably nice, too. So the Raptors, I think, are on their way. Like, they're 16-4, man. There's nothing to complain about. There really is not anything to complain about. You can get nitpicky about the offense or the defense not being great at all moments of the game, but that would be unfair at this point because they're kicking the piss at everybody no matter what. Um, So uh, it'll be a nice week this week Some nice tests coming up obviously You've got the Memphis Grizzlies on Tuesday That should be a fun one And then you have the Warriors obviously on Thursday Hopefully Steph Curry's back for that one because Steph Curry Kyle Lowry battles are kind of an underrated underrated awesome thing. Uh, Kawhi's obviously had his battles with the Warriors in the past too. There's no zaza this time around to so do some fuck shit, and I uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game on Thursday with the Warriors, assuming everyone's back. And the Raptors and Warriors usually play really close games, and the way the Raptors are playing, you might say they're the favorites in that game. And I, I would I wouldn't be shocked if they were Vegas favorites there um, at 16 and four. Obviously the Bucks lost last night to the Phoenix Suns so could be much worse. The Raptors are doing all right. Um, you, you can, uh, yeah, I think I'll wrap the podcast there. That seems like it's about it. You can always follow me on Twitter, as always, at Sean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors where you can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network, as always. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. And, of course, I'll plug this one more time. Tuesday, uh, 7 o'clock at Odds Bar in Hamilton at uh, 164 James Street South, just across from the GO Bus Terminal. It is myself, Vivek Jacob, Kelsey O'Brien from Raptors HQ, For at least in Kelsey's case, and then Vivek from The Athletic and Vice Sports and Raptors Republic. We are going to be doing a live podcast from odds at 7 o'clock before the Raptors play the Memphis Grizzlies. Vivek's going to join me for the first half. We're going to give out grades for the first quarter of the season for the Raptors. And then Kelsey's going to join me for a little Q&A action. So... Very much looking forward to that. If you want to come on out, it's free to come by. Just come on, get a spot, and uh, we will talk about the Raptors ahead of the Raptors and Memphis Grizzlies playing on Tuesday night. Hope you can make it out. It's going to be a ton of fun. And Odds has, like, bitchin' food. Their food is incredible. You should come on out and uh, and get some of that good old nacho action or whatever you want. They have healthy stuff if you want to, some tasty bowls and shit like that. So come on out to Odds Bar Tuesday night, myself. Vivek Jacob, Kelsey O'Brien, live podcast that'll be posted afterwards. We might do some like live t- Twitter Periscope action. So uh, if you miss, if you're not in town, or you're an American listener or something like that, you can probably watch it as well. Hopefully, at least I'll figure out how that's gonna work. But uh, thank you so much for listening. It's been an awesome uh, week of podcasts. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, listen to myself with Katie Heindel reviewing How Hungry Are You on uh, Saturday morning. And then Friday, I had the bonus podcast with myself and Chantel Vallee of the Hamilton Honey Badgers. Again, a little deviation from the plot there, but I thought it was a really good chat with, with Chantel. And I wanted to get some awareness for the CEBL out there and for Chantel's uh, historic announcement as the coach of that team and the GM as well. So uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we'll be back again on Monday at some point to break down the game against the Heat. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.